Good evening, dear saints. Uh, it's good to see you all again. Uh, some on my screen, and most of you probably not. Well, you are not. Nevertheless, <laughs> um, you're in my, I see you with my mind's eyes or my, my uh, inner eyes. And uh, welcome to another family talk or home talk, I call it. So again, um, in the next about 45 minutes or so that the brothers have uh, allotted to me, I'd like to continue my fellowship with you uh, on the uh, um, concerning the matter of, uh, of prayer. And uh, just as I'm speaking, I realize I forgot my glasses, so I look a little strange to you. But anyway, I think I can make do. Um, the uh, As I share Wednesday with all of you, the deep burden within me in these days, there are a lot of burdens within me, but none deeper than the burden for prayer. Now, I know this is a very common subject, common practice. Who doesn't pray, right? Uh, all of us in the Lord's recovery, believers, uh, we pray. We're, we 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 know we need to pray, and we pray. But um, these days, the burden is not only prayer in its general sense, but specifically what we call intercessory prayer. Now, let me just start with just right there to. Uh, explain to you if we do not know uh, what's the difference. Okay, in the word, I'll just take one verse. There are many verses on prayer in the New Testament. You have in First um, uh, Timothy chapter 2, Paul talking about the church life uh, and, uh, and uh, mentioning prayer as almost the first thing. He actually say, First of all, first of all, the first thing in the church life, do not forget, is prayer, is prayer. But he said this. He said, first of all, that petitions, okay, these are four different nouns, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. All right, so here, of course, it's talking about especially praying for humanity, for their salvation, etc. But I want to draw your attention that when we say pray, there are actually different kinds of prayer in the Bible, Old and New Testament. Here, at least four are mentioned. Petition, what is petition? Petition is rather a formal request. You know, I have a grievance, I have some... Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I stand up to speak and petition on behalf of a group of people. They are disenfranchised. They are not taken care of. So here I am, an attorney or something. Uh, I would make a petition on their behalf. It's a kind of asking, but that asking is very a little bit more formal. You actually have that word called supplication, uh, you know, uh, which is a very earnest kind of a uh, petition. Um, we all often also use this uh, 
you know, to supplicate is also to petition uh, by way of prayer. Um, uh, except it is more, even more earnest, more desperate. All right. Um, then your prayers. Prayer is more the general word, the word that covers all manners, all kinds of prayer. You have prayer that is in worship with God. We pray. Uh, prayer uh, that is for fellowship with the Lord, right? We pray to fellowship with the Lord. Uh, prayer to enjoy the Lord, to enjoy Christ. We pray to do that. Um, and uh, prayer actually is the inclusive word, the inclusive word. Uh, it's very general. I, I would tend to say prayer means something rather general, non-specific. Whereas petition is for a specific cause and need. Then you have intercessions. Now, these days, the burden, our burden is for, is for the recovery or the building up of intercessory prayers or intercessions. What is to intercede? Intercede is more than just pray. It may take a praying form for sure. When we intercede, uh, we 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 uh, we have we do intercessions, but intercession actually means that we intervene. We take action to intervene between a couple of parties. So you have two parties here. Somehow they got a problem. Okay, so I would uh, stand between the, the two parties to intercede in that situation, in that relationship, in that conflict, okay, in that problem, with a view to reconciling the two. So you can say intercessory prayer is part of the reconciling ministry that we see in Second Corinthians. I don't think anyone can reconcile, uh, you know, man to God or saying with the Lord that he himself is not an intercessor. He does not take the role of mediating. That's another word, mediating. Um, all the intercessors, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, that we talked about Wednesday and tonight, I'm going to talk about Moses. Uh, they were all mediators. They were all intervening between two parties with a huge big problem between them as you know between god and in the case of moses a a uh, a people that have chosen to build themselves a, a god of gold you know while moses was still up in the mountains receiving the law they were already doing it the very thing that god told them not to do in his commandments they were already breaking the law before receiving the law and so that became a huge big problem between God and man. And Moses, it says he stood in the breach. Moses was one who stood in the breach. That's Psalms 106. He was playing the role of a mediator. And we're going to say something more about that. Then you have the word thanksgivings. Now, often we forget this word thanksgiving. Okay, that's just giving thanks or praising the Lord. That's not part of prayer. No, that thanksgiving is a word that Paul always used. 
making mention of you with petition or prayers with thanksgiving. Paul never forgets to give thanks. So thanksgiving actually should be in all kinds of prayer. When that prayer is successful, when that prayer is answered, when that, or let's say that prayer is heard, you have the assurance, you give thanks. So I hope these days we would not even forget thanksgiving in our prayer life. Don't just ask and ask and ask. Learn to give thanks, you know. Uh, give God the thanks for what he has done for you and me. Now, um, but however, the word pray, as general as it is, it still have all these meanings. I now use these verbs. Some of them are older verb forms to entreat. Okay, the word that young people don't use today, to implore, to implore, to ask, uh, to plea, P-L-E-A, to plea, to beseech, you know, all these kind of old English words, uh, based on a certain um, desire that is, has, is in our heart or has been placed in our heart, we, we pray. So I hope, uh, brothers and sisters, we would um, have a kind of a basic view about what this is. Now, these days, our burden is especially the intercessory prayer. So um, Christ today is the heavenly intercessor. He is ever-living, right? Uh, He is at the right hand of God, according to Romans 8. They're interceding for us. That means God and us still has a problem. I think you will all agree. We still have a problem with God. We are not, we are still disobedient from time to time. We're rebellious. We're not right with Him. So God is not too happy with us. Am I right? Um, and, and God, and, and God does not know what to do and, and so on and so forth. And we have Christ there in the heavens, interceding for us. Um, that means he was, he is there to intervene between God and us day and night, day and night. We'll be in big trouble if we don't have such an intercessor there, dear saints. I mean, we're not very, we're, we're naughty kids still, right? Um, in the process of being uh, sanctified and transformed. And so God would hear the that intercession. And uh, only the Lord knows. I mean, I'm very comforted by Hebrews. He says he is the high priest interceding for us, but he is not interceding just as the son of God, but as the son of man who has been touched by the temptation that we're tempted with by the weakness that bothers us, it bothers Jesus on the earth. So he knows our weakness and he is, uh, he's touched by that. So he knows how to intercede on our behalf when we're weak, when we're not well, and so on and so forth. Um, he knows. Um, I mean, when he, at the Garden of Gethsemane, just remember that 
he was praying there as a man who prayed if that cup can be removed, the cross. In flesh and blood, the Lord was praying that. He was a man in that position. It was, it's going to be devastating and, 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 and suffering for him. But of course, in the end, let your will be done. But, um, so, so we have that. Then we have the spirit also in Romans eight that says the spirit intercede for us. So we have Christ on that end in the heavens, the, the ascended Christ interceding on our behalf. And we have Christ within the pneumatic Christ in our spirit to intercede for us on this end. So on both ends, he is doing the intercession. You have to believe it's not two different intercessions. Most likely it is the same intercession. One before God directly, the other in us and through us. The prayer here is not just Christ all by himself like he is doing up there. He is interceding in us and through us and from us. So we have a role to play in that intercession. We have no part in that heavenly intercession. We're on the earth corresponding to him or echoing that intercession on the earth. So we're here not praying our own prayers, brothers and sisters. This intercessory prayer is praying his prayer. We're here merely echoing that, agreeing with that, channeling that, praying that on the earth. Why? Because this is God's principle. He may want to do something, and even he may be interceding there. I'm sure the Father hears him. But he still needs some people on the earth to sympathize with him, to correspond with him, to be one with him. I would even say to be incorporated with him to such a degree, to be mingled with him to such a degree that we would fully have his feeling. We would fully have his heart. We would fully have his feeling concerning the saints, concerning the saints. To intercede mainly is not intercede for ourselves. We don't intercede for ourselves. We intercede for someone else. And that's why it's for the saints. In these days, intercessory prayer means really means primarily we're not praying for our own need. Nothing wrong with that. But I would not call that intercession. That is a request. That is a petition. All legitimate and all necessary and part of our Christian life. But intercessory prayer is special. It is to pray for another. Then you say, what's the another? And I'll tell you tonight, the first another is God. My goodness, you say, what? We are praying for God? Really? Well, I have news for you. Really? God needs prayer? Really? Really? Let's go back to Abraham. God wants to rescue Lot so as to that the Moabites would come into being, and so that Ruth, which is a Moabite 
can exist and could be married to Boaz and become the ancestor of Jesus Christ. That means Lot was needed to what? To bring forth Christ unbelievably in a very, very detestable and immoral way, right? Let's put that aside, but that is the fact. And God would go and destroy, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and everybody there, including Lot. But he has a need. He knows, God knows in his, in his uh, uh, omniscience that that man is needed somehow, somehow, as a way to bring forth Christ, just as he promised to Abraham and Sarah in the time of life, Isaac will be born, you know. Ishmael is by your flesh, but this time in resurrection, beyond your birthing years, your 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 childbearing years, and that's why Sarah laughed. And so in that one visit, God did something. One a promise, the other is an intercession to prepare for Christ to be born, so that his covenant with Abraham can be fulfilled. So, dear saints, there God could do what he wanted to do. But he needs someone who could intercede on Lot's behalf. Really, it's not Sodom and Gomorrah. They are a goner. You know, they are so bad. But Lot's family, Lot's family was what he wanted someone to pray for. And Abraham, by watching the Lord, looking at the Lord, the Lord never say, Okay, pray for Lot. Never said that word. Abraham interpreted it and got it by watching the Lord, what he said, where he looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, and allowing Abraham to walk with him after even the two angels went ahead. Jehovah stayed and Abraham stayed with Jehovah. To what? I wouldn't call that a negotiation. It may be a kind of negotiation. That's intercession. That's intercession. That negotiation from 50 to 10, you know, you, you remember the story, was Abraham's glorious intercession. For who? Well, you say for Lot. I will say for Lot, but that's number two. The first person Abraham was doing this intercession for was God because God is the party A. Lot was party B. That's certainly a big problem. But he was there, what? Being a mediator, if you if you will, to solve that problem. Solve that problem. But deep in the heart of God, uh, as evil, as corrupt, as terrible, even as Lot was, God need to save him for his need, for his covenant. But who on earth? He needs someone on earth to intervene. And Abraham stepped up in a glorious and marvelous way. So he was there, firstly, you may say praying for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then he was there then praying for Lot, for sure, praying for Lot. And then by that intercession, that kind of intervention, 
that kind of a mediation, if you will, God's purpose was fulfilled. But there must be someone on earth doing that. Brothers and sisters, my question is, who are those people today? Who are the church, Christianity? I'm not saying there's no intercessory prayer amongst all the Christians, but at what level? To what depth? We are in the Lord's recovery, dear saints, and we have been given so much, we know so much, all the revelation, all the depths of the word, of all people, of all people, we should be the ones who are the most qualified to play this role of intercession between God and man, between the Lord and his believers. You know, we need to intercede for the saints. You know, a lot of our intercession should be for the saints. In fact, that's what the word says primarily, the prayer for the saints, the prayer for the saints, the prayer for the saints. Even just now, as I was waiting for this talk, the Lord just put within me, pray for this one. Pray now, pray for this brother now. So I pray, I have to pray. That's intercession. Now, tonight, quickly just talk about you know, in 10 minutes, talk about uh, Moses, then I want to spend the remaining time to talk about how we can maintain and carry out this intercessory life. It's a life. So Moses here, I, I use Moses because he's the second outstanding intercessor in the Old Testament, uh, you know, after Abraham. So you all know the story. Abraham was in his first 40 days in the mountain to receive the, you know, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments and all the other uh, statutes and ordinances of the law, including the, the, the uh, pattern of the tabernacle and the priesthood and so on and so forth. It took 40 days and 40 nights there. So, so um, uh, Moses was up there. While he was up there, <laughs> They started down there to build this golden calf, and you know what happened. And, of course, Jehovah knew that and became just mad and just full of wrath and and says, forget about them. You know, um, I don't have the time. Please, uh, you know, tonight, if you have time, please go and just read uh, from Exodus 32 to 34 again. And, and say, uh, you know, I'm, my anger is burning against them. I'm going to consume them. I'm going to make you, Moses, a great nation. You know what Moses says? He says, Moses entreated Jehovah his God and say, Jehovah, why does your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of this land of Egypt with great power and with a great hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying what with evil, what with evil intent he brought them? That is Jehovah, and now they uh, uh, out of Egypt, and now slay them in the mountains, consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and repent of this ill against your people. My goodness, Moses was preaching the gospel to God. 
he's telling God to repent, to change his mind. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore uh, by yourself and said to them, I will multiply them as the seed of the stars of heaven and all the land that I've spoken as I will give to your seed and they shall inherit it, etc. And it says Jehovah repented. Now, this is Moses. This is Moses doing his work of what? A mediator. A mediator. And he was doing his intercession, intervening between God and the people. The people didn't even know, because later on they do. They, they did know of how angry God was towards them after Moses came down, you know, to, 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 to destroy that, uh, that, uh, that idol and ground it into powder for them to drink that and then calling out the overcoming tribe uh, of Levi to kill their brothers and so on and so forth and even smoke them. Uh, God was still full of wrath, full of wrath, but God did not destroy them. Did not destroy them because Moses prayed. Now, my question to you is, do you think God wanted to destroy Israel? I think we all would agree, actually, God being the faithful God, faithful to his own word and promises, not just that covenant with the, their forefathers. God knew that if he did that, not only he will be a laughing stock to the Egyptians, but he would go against his own word. And that is serious. So get God could not do that, but in a moment of anger, his wrath poured out. But there was Moses in his presence, playing the role of an intercessor to pray, actually, on behalf of the people, not himself, not himself. He said, forget about me, God. You said you want to make me, want me to replace them. Forget about me. It's not about me. It's about you and this people, your people, your people. He had this boldness to to, to to speak to God in this kind of way. So God repented. Then after that, we all know there was a second 40 days. You know, that's a total of 80 days within a short period of time that Moses was called up to the mountain again and God would, you know, ask him to bring two stone tablets and God would write again the same commandments to give to the uh, children of Israel. And those that was a more the longer time, a more in the record, chapter 33, 34, um, of Moses' time in the Lord's presence to be with the Lord. And there the Lord Jehovah spoke more to him. Now, all of this, all of this is to make the point that it takes someone like Moses to pray that kind of intercessory prayer. I want all of us, dear brothers and sisters, I don't want here just to preach. Okay, go pray, pray more. Uh, hopefully after these 30 days in April, when we won't have that global prayer anymore, I don't know. 
how the brothers would decide that we would just revert to pre-COVID-19 days, you know, back to normal. Our prayer life is not that strong. The church's prayer is not so strong. My burden is that in these days, while we're still being afflicted, while we're still being confined, while we have more time in our hands, the Lord could do something in the matter of prayer in the churches. If not all the saints, some of the saints, a group of saints that would be brought into this level or this dimension of prayer, of intercessory prayer. This is the time I told you, Brother Dick, call me, you know, Wednesday night. Not, I mean, I share that with you Wednesday night. He said, Minoro, how can we stop? Really? We just stop after 30 days like prayer is over? I said, Dick, I, I totally know what you're saying. We need saints who will now pray until the Lord comes. Some saints. Who would be the corporate Abraham, the corporate Moses on the earth. The one new man, in the principle of the one new man. To pray together. Oh, how I wish that after April 30th, many saints, I don't expect all, but many saints, Faithful ones, like Moses was faithful over God's house, would continue to pray. Sign up or not, 15-minute slot or not. They will just see, they enter into this need of God. Now, tonight, I want to now spend time with you, the last 15 minutes here, about how one becomes such an intercessor. How does one maintain this intercessory prayer? Um, I would just say a few points, maybe like four. There may be other things, but I hope these would be of help to us. Of course, there's all this required practice and building up. Um, <clears throat> The first thing is, brothers and sisters, if you are, we are to be Abraham, we are to be Moses. We have to be who they were. You know who they were? Abraham was called a friend of God. A friend of God. Moses was called a companion of God. Slightly different. But there's the equal meaning there. That these are not just two different people, okay, with an assignment or they pick up a burden to pray. No, no, that's not where it starts. These are two people, two people who somehow have become very, very close to God, very intimate with God, like a friend, like a companion. So it's not like, oh, 30 days, let's go to pray. Let's have some assignment to pray. You, you are a person who is not close to God. You're not intimate with the Lord. You, you, you just ask to pray. Okay, go pray this or go pray that. That does not work. That, that kind of praying will not be, is not sustainable. That's just a job or a temporary duty, you know, given to you. 
how can we persistently and perseveringly without people telling us what to do would volunteer ourselves to intercede only only if we are so close to god so intimate with god so near to the lord so the first thing for us to become such an intercessor is we need to live a life that is close to the lord intimate with the lord one with the lord i would like to submit that whether you have slots of 15 minutes here or 30 minutes there all day long we have to be those kind of persons who are just in the spirit calling on the lord touching him even we're not in a prostrate position we're not on our knees necessarily but we are just living in the lord's presence like 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 abraham eating with the lord like um like um uh moses uh, 40 days and 40 nights doing what not just there just scribing or writing down what god wants you to remember they must have a lot of lengthy conversation lot of fellowship lot of face to face and that's why the second time when he came down his face shone shone right you know the, the he was so close to the lord for 40 days and 40 nights only such a one by being so intimate with the lord that he would get to know what is in the lord's heart so that he would know what to intercede this this knowledge of the lord's heart the lord's feeling the lord's inward parts is not taught it's not written down somewhere you have to be one who is so close to him all the time and so brothers and sisters if we have this kind of burden to be part of the corporate intercessor we need to live a life that is walking with the lord all the time living a life in the spirit one with him near him close to him close to his heart then we would know what is in god's heart god even god may not say something we can see it because we're so close we know it we know what god feels i know i've seen senior mature saints who pray the moment they open their mouth i'm just right away brought into the lord's heart i know it here i am praying this praying that even praying with with profound and 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 eloquent words but i don't know god's heart i don't but here is another one who may not know so much truth or whatever as i do but they intimate with the lord so they know how to pray they know what to pray they know the hot buttons god's hot hot buttons they know how to touch them they know how to even cause god to change his mind if you will of course none of us can do that but they know there's something behind what god is saying they go behind they see through god's heart that's not what god wants god wants this people still no matter how bad they became so they pray accordingly and apparently they changed god actually they didn't they just became a channel to voice god's feelings 
My, this takes a lot of learning, brothers and sisters. Okay, the second thing I would like to say is to sustain this kind of word, uh, prayer, we need the word of God. Do not divorce prayer from the word. Just like we should not divorce the spirit from the word. In Ephesians 6, it says to receive the sword of the spirit. Which spirit is the word of God? By means of all prayer and petition, right? Praying at every time in spirit and watching with perseverance and petition for all the saints. That is a tremendous prayer verse, if there's one. Or two verses, 17 and 18. So what's the point here? The point here is when we take the whole armor of God for our spiritual warfare and prayer is a spiritual warfare, all the other parts of this uh, um, armor are defensive, protective in nature, except the sword. The sword is the only offensive weapon we have. So in a way, that is not part of the armor. In a way. And this sword is the spirit. But this spirit is also the word. That word there is rhema word. Okay? It's not logos word. Then where does rhema word comes from? Rhema word comes from our reading, studying, taking in, believing the logos word. Okay? And then letting this word indwell us to become the indwelling word. And when the word, the outward, outside word, the black and white word, comes into our inner being and making home there, basically it means becoming one with us. We are now incorporated with the word. That word becomes spirit. You see what I'm saying? That word, which is really the breath of God, right? That is the spirit. And when we are full of this spirit word, I tell you, brothers and sisters, we can pray. Many saints, they want to pray, but they have no word. I don't mean eloquence, okay? I don't mean that kind of thing. I'm talking about the word of God that has become the logos that has become rima, the constant word the present word, the living word, the operative word in you. And my, I tell you, what are what is the word of God? The word of God is simply the promises of God, even the bequests of God. And when we fill our being with God's promises and bequests, basically, we now have what? We now know what God wants, God's purpose, God's will, God's desire. And real prayer is simply to pray actually God's desire back to him. To utter his will back to him. To make mention his desire to him. He already knew. It's not like he does not know. But he needs someone to say it to him, to petition him on the earth. And that's the church's job. But today the church has failed. So there needs to be an overcoming group of intercessors. 
And we need to arm ourselves, brothers and sisters, with the word of God. So it is actually very good for us. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Pray, read. Pray with the word. I don't mean amen, amen, you know, in the beginning, amen, was the word. That kind of pray reading. It's not wrong, but that is a very elementary kind of pray reading. Real pray reading is the word has already indwelt you. You have read the word, you have received the word, assimilated the word, you're nourished by the word. I tell you that word as you pray will come forth as the sword, as the spirit. And that would supply our prayer. This kind of word, number one, is the supply that we need. You know, without supply, we couldn't do anything. I can tell you, pray, go pray. You are so weak. You are not fueled. You are not supplied. You cannot pray. You're telling a, a, a baby to lift 10 pounds. Impossible. You need to, you need supply. Dear saints, the word is our supply. We need to be nourished by the words of the faith so that we can pray. Not only so, this, the word gives us a direction or content of prayer. A lot of times we don't know what we should pray. Right? But he knows, the Lord knows the mind of the spirit. And what is the mind of the spirit? That has, because it talks about the mind, it is, has something to do with our understanding, even our mind, our renewed mind. And how is our mind renewed? By the very word of God. So saints, I feel we need a, re, we, we almost need a revival in prayer reading in this context. That's how it was in Eldon. Eldon was a church full of prayer. Brother Lee said there was not a church in his whole life up to that point. He has seen was had that much prayer, not in China, not in Taiwan. The church in LA was also a church that is in praise the word. Some of the prayer meeting, I remember the whole evening was prayer reading, but not just just that kind of rapid, repetitive prayer reading. You know, you know what I'm saying? But the prayer, prayer reading that becomes prayer uttered by us back to God. I remember we pray read the last couple of chapters of Revelation 21, 22. My goodness, my goodness. I've I never been in prayer meetings like that. And by the way, in those days, the prayer meeting attendance is 80% or more of the Lord's Day meeting attendance. You know, nowadays in our prayer meeting, I heard in some places it's doubled. Well, I'm happy about that. My question is, after the crisis is over, will it still be doubled or will we go back? You see, saints, we cannot go back. We need to go forward. We need more to really enter into this kind of a prayer, personally and collectively. So the word is number two, the word, brothers and sisters. The third thing is companions. It's hard for any one of us to maintain prayer for long. Um, Daniel could, but we're not Daniel, right? We need one another. So I feel these are the days for us to maybe to be forced into the practice of vital groups, vital companions of one or two or three or four. 
So sisters have some companions with the specific burden to pray. And later on, there will be other things for the gospel to shepherd people. But the first thing is much and thorough prayer with your companions and to be blended together in that way. You remember the vital group training. I feel this is something we did not get through, not only when Brother Lee was with us, but even in these 20 years. This very, very important practice of twos and threes. You have to read Matthew 18 to get into this matter. So twos and threes. You can have several twos and threes. You know, it depends. Sisters, brothers, elders, serving ones. This is a key, key building block, the key building block of the church. Twos and threes are not the church, but they are the building block of the church. I hope, you know, every day we have twos and threes and pray. Now, the number four thing, and I will end here very quickly, and that is set times to pray. You know, uh, Daniel prayed three times a day. This, you may say, well, you're too legal. Well, well, certain things you need to be legal, right? Like three meals a day. Uh, I'm afraid that all of us are the same. If we do not have certain set times and with companions, all kinds of things will come in, take over, distract, preoccupy. We have this need, we have this need, even legitimate needs, even church needs. How about that? But before you know it, the times of prayer are all eaten up, eaten up. When prayer should be the preeminent service, the first thing that we do, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Prayer has become a bit of a backseat thing in our church life. I feel, brothers and sisters, the Lord have mercy on us in these times, at least with some saints, the Lord would build up, recover this matter of intercessory prayer as a life and as a ministry. Especially some of us older saints, we don't have that much energy to do this and that, but you know what? We can pray. Daniel, Daniel never returned to Jerusalem. But 20 years before Prophet Jeremiah's word on the 70 years captivity was fulfilled, 20 years before that, he started to pray. Without Daniel's prayer, there would have been no return. Dear saints, us older ones, will we see the Lord? I do not know. But I pray that we would have a part in bringing the Lord's return by this kind of prayer, this kind of intercessory prayer. I hope these days we would uh, really have the Lord's mercy and the Lord's strengthening uh, to be those faithful overcomers, really, in the Lord's recovery, to enter into this service or this dimension of prayer.
Um, I hope so. So after this time, we would be in a new normal, a new church life, a new situation. May it be so. Thank you for this time, and uh, the Lord be with you. Good evening. Back to you, Joe.